Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Gifted. As Christ followers, God has gifted each and every one of us with special attributes or qualities from the Holy Spirit. During this series, we'll take a closer look at each spiritual gift to better understand the purposes and God's design for these gifts. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. So we're in the middle of this series called Gifted. We're talking about the truth that the Holy Spirit gives everybody who comes to faith in Jesus Christ a gift. Now, let me tell you the big picture about our vision and mission for church. We want to fulfill the Great Commission. And Jesus said, all authority in heaven has been given to me. And so he challenged, he ordained, he commissioned his disciples to go into all the world and to make disciples, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything that he had commanded them. And we want to continue to do that. So if you're coming to Valley Brook for the first time, if you've been here uh, for a while, I'm just going to remind you that that's our, uh, our big picture. We want to fulfill the Great Commission. So uh, if you have never uh, told Jesus you believe in him, you know, I want to encourage you to do that. You can come and talk to me or one, somebody on our prayer team afterwards. Uh, I'll lead us in a prayer at the end of this message where you can profess that faith. If you've come to faith in Jesus and you've never been baptized, we're doing baptisms uh, the first Sunday of every month after uh, the second service in the brook right behind the church here. So if you haven't been, contact us. We'd love to talk to you uh, about what that means and, and how you can be baptized. And, and then we want to help people become disciples of Jesus. And so we want to teach what Jesus has commanded. So that's what we do here on Sunday morning. But there's two other pathways that are very important. We have life groups, that's small gatherings of adults who get together to study God's word, to encourage one another, to connect and to do life together. Um, candidly, this is our summer season and many of our life groups take the summer off. So if you're looking for a life group this summer, you know, send us an email. I mean, maybe challenge to find one uh, this summer. So that's just canon. We kick that off again in September. The other pathway is what we call growth track. And growth track happens uh, every Sunday of the month except the fifth Sunday. So uh, there's four steps and they happen consecutively, first Sunday through the fourth Sunday. Uh, so today will be step four of the growth track. But, but the exciting thing about growth track is this. We help you know what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We help you understand that Jesus has poured out the Holy Spirit into you and he's given you gifts for ministry. We help you discover those ministries. We help you understand how God has wired you for leadership. And then we actually help you find out where to use those gifts, how you can do that. Because the deal is this. You know, you can take a, a test and find out what your gift is but until you exercise that gift, until you use that gift, you're not walking in the purpose that you were called for. You're not fulfilling uh, the destiny that God has for you. So we want to encourage you to do that. And that's really sort of the impetus that has led us to this series called Gifted. Because we know that once somebody comes to faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is poured into you. And then the Holy Spirit reveals to you gifts. Now, the reality is this. You may not have an experience where you go, wow, this is my gift. It actually may mean you have to do some work to explore the gifts, to study the gifts, to learn more about the gifts. And really, that's 
been the purpose of this series. We, we look at 24 gifts when we go through Growth Track. We're going through all 24 of those in this series. And uh, today we're going to look at four more. And then we're going to look at the big picture of gifts. So if you would uh, join me as a time of prayer, in a time of prayer as we ask God to open our hearts and our minds. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you have sent your son Jesus so that we could have eternal life through faith in him. And Lord, now we thank you for your spirit that has been poured out into each and every one of us that gives us power for living and reminds us that we have a promise of eternal life, but also the spirit gives us gifts to use. So I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to hear this message in your name. Amen. Uh, today we're going to look at what I call gifts of revelation. Uh, so here's what I want you to know. Uh, let me be clear about these kinds of gifts. These gifts are not revealing new information that would be equal to Scripture, okay? Um, uh, we believe that the Bible is our highest and our, our sole authority in all matters of life and all matters of faith, and the scriptures we believe are complete. In other words, there's nothing that can be added to them. There's nothing that can be written that would be on par with the authority of scripture. So theologians call this concept the doctrine of the sufficiency of scripture. And there's a, a verse in scripture that uh, supports that, and I'll share that with you. It's from 2 Timothy. It says this, it says, all scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what does that tell us? It tells us that God's word, the Bible, is complete and sufficient, and it gives us everything that we need for life and for faith so we can trust it. Now, as I say that, we, we need to remember this. That, that no sermon, uh, no book, uh, no message of any kind has authority equal to Scripture. Uh, in fact, uh, no uh, teacher, no pastor, no evangelist, or, or anyone has a gift that would allow them to uh, reveal new Scripture because the canon, as, as it's called, the Scripture is complete. We can teach on and instruct and explain and encourage and, and help people see Scripture in new ways or maybe help them see a Scripture that they've never seen before and, and reveal that to them. Uh, but we need to remember that uh, these gifts of revelation are not equal to or greater than Scripture. So to be honest, if somebody tells you that uh, um, they have that kind of gift that's on par, that's equivalent to Scripture, well, uh, you know, honestly steer away because that's not from God, all right? So we, we can be wise like that. So um, let's look at the Scripture that reveals the four gifts we're going to look at today. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and here we go. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another the ability to distinguish between spirits. So we're going to look at those in order. The first one we're going to look at is the gift of wisdom. And I'm going to give you a definition for it. By the way, if you want these definitions, you can find them on our website. You can even find them on our Facebook page. So you don't necessarily have to write those down. Uh, wisdom is the ability to apply the truths of Scripture in a practical way, producing a fruitful outcome and the character of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the reality. 
We, we all want to be wise, don't we? I mean, none of us wants to, to do things that uh, we would call dumb. Uh, we all want to make good decisions. Uh, but honestly, that's not this gift, okay? Because Jesus said this to all of us. He said, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep into the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and gentle as, or innocent as doves. Big picture. All right, Jesus says, listen, be wise, all right? Uh, be wise as, servants, as serpents, but as innocent as doves. So scripture tells us to be wise. Now that's, that's general wisdom, uh, but the gift of wisdom, let, let me uh, share with you what one writer says. Uh, Those who have the gift of wisdom know how to get to the heart of a problem quickly. They have practical minds and are problem solvers. They have little, uh, they have little difficulty in making decisions because they can foresee with a fairly high degree of accuracy what the outcome of the decisions will be. When those with the gift of wisdom speak, other members of the body of Christ recognize the, that truth has been spoken and the right course of action has been recommended. You know, as I was reading about this, I was reminded about a story of uh, Pastor Leighton Ford. Uh, Leighton Ford is uh, related to uh, Billy Graham, and he has the gift of wisdom, and he was asked to chair a committee uh, with the Luzane Committee on World Evangelism. And one of the members of that committee recognized this about how Leighton Ford used his gift. So this is what he wrote. He said, the executive committee that we were on was a group of high-powered people who had strong opinions on almost every issue imaginable. Uh, this writer said, I frequently found myself in the midst of discussions where the points of view were so divergent that no, with no human way of reconciling them seemed possible to be found. But Leighton Ford had the unusual ability to stay above the give and take, not to get involved in the emotions of the discussion, but at just the right time to come up with a suggestion for action that sounded exactly right to the other members of the committee. The gift of wisdom he had provided him with sensitivity about what each person was trying to say, to what extent he or she was willing to negotiate, and what particular personal needs each one of them had at that moment. Leighton was gifted, and his gift was confirmed by the feeling on the part of all of the members of the committee. They saw and understood what he saw and understood, and the result was that there was a high degree of satisfaction and harmony in that group. Look, if you have... Uh, the gift of wisdom, you're going to be able to, to cut to the chase. You're going to be able to see things that will help the body of Christ, individual believers, the body of Christ in large, that will glorify God and that will help share the message of Jesus around the world. Stephen, in Scripture, was one of those people who had the gift of wisdom. You may recognize Stephen. He was considered, he's considered to be the first martyr of Christianity. He was chosen to be one of the deacons in the early church, and uh, it said this in Scripture about him, that he was full of the Spirit and of wisdom, so much so that when people came toward him and tried to argue with him about who Jesus was, it says this about him. They could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. What they could do was kill him, and, and they did. They stoned him to death. He was the first martyr, but he had the gift of wisdom. 
So that's the gift of wisdom. Now let's look at the, the gift of knowledge. The spiritual gift of knowledge is the ability to understand and to bring clarity to situations and circumstances often accompanied by a word from God. Now, while we all know things uh, and we all have knowledge, the gift of knowledge is a drive to learn and to share that knowledge to help build up the body of Christ. One pastor writes this about that gift. Those who have this gift are, are superior learners. They are among the first to discover new truths to originate new ideas. They're eager to learn. They have a long attention span and they're able to absorb and retain unusual amounts of information. Many of them are scholars. They're at home with research and are often found in the academic world. So uh, big picture about the gift of knowledge. You know, the reality is, is, is that many people have more than one spiritual gift. And oftentimes the gift of knowledge seems to be given to people who have uh, other gifts, particularly the gift of teaching or, or the gift of missionary, so that to combine those two gifts together, they're effective in sharing the good news about Jesus and, and helping people understand the truth about Jesus and come to faith and help the body of Christ grow and to give glory to God. Uh, you, you know, it, it's important that we understand that as we have these gifts, it's important for us to ask God, help me understand how I can use this gift. Help me understand how I can use it to build up the body and encourage one another. The next gift of the Spirit we're going to look at is the gift of faith. The definition for the spiritual gift of faith is that it's an ability to believe in God for unseen supernatural results in every arena of faith. Well, so let me just level set this. The reality is, if you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, you have saving faith. We all have faith in something. Those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have been saved by our faith, and that faith has given us the promise of eternal life. But the, uh, the gift of faith is totally different because it's the ability to believe God for unseen results. Now, Scripture actually gives us a definition of faith. In the book of Hebrews, we read this, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, all right, this is what happened. You had assurance of things hoped for, eternal life. You had a conviction of things not seen, that, that Jesus, through his death on the cross, purchased forgiveness for you and your sins that will grant you eternal life. But, but those with the gift of faith, those with the gift of faith have the ability to trust God for far greater things than many of us. If you continue to read in chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, you'll see a whole list of people who had the gift of faith. It's called the, the Hall of Fame of Faith by many scholars. And these people reveal their spiritual gift of faith because they have a steadfast and unshakable confidence in God and in his promises found in Scripture. So let's just look at a couple of them. Noah. You read about the, uh, Noah in the book of Genesis. Um, his faith is revealed because God gave him a command to build a, a huge boat not near a body of water. 
God gave him this command to build a huge boat that he would use when he was going to flood the earth. And so Noah believed, Noah trusted, and Noah acted. I think that went through. Can you imagine? You know, scripture doesn't say, tell us what people said to Noah as he was building this huge boat, not near a, a body of water, one that could not be moved by humans or animals, the only thing that could ever move it would be a huge flood that would lift it off of the supports that were holding it in place. And despite the ridicule that he faced, he trusted God. He believed in God for something that he couldn't see in his life. He trusted God even though this idea seemed crazy. Abraham and Sarah also had the gift of faith. They believed God's promise that Abraham was going to be the father of nations, that Abraham and Sarah would have offspring that would populate the world. And so they trusted that God would give them that offspring. But year after year went by, and they weren't able to conceive. They weren't able to have a child. And, and Scripture even says that um, Sarah was beyond childbearing years. And yet they trusted the promise of God, even though it was in a very personal, a very private, a very painful place. They had faith that God would answer that prayer. And eventually God did. And they had a son uh, named Isaac. They trusted God. And then that faith was tested. Because God said to Abraham, I want you to take your son up on the mountain and I want you to sacrifice him. Uh, you know, I can't wrap my head around that. I don't think any of us can do that. But Abraham trusted God. He had supernatural faith that honestly I don't have. Uh, he had the gift of faith and he trusted God. He trusted that God would provide. And if you read this story, you realize that he goes up to the top of the mountain. He prepares everything that needs to be placed. And just at the last minute, God reveals a ram caught in a thicket. And he releases his son and they sacrifice the ram to God. That's amazing faith. But you read through chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews and you see others. You see Moses who led Israel out of Egypt. He did things like he started the Passover. He kept it. He began it even when Egypt was breathing down the necks of the Israelites. Then we see Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. She wasn't an Israelite, but she trusted God. She had faith that if she took the prompting that was coming to her from God's Spirit to give safe harbor to the Israelite spies, that God would do something amazing and save her life. And indeed, that's what happened. You know, in, in the history of the church, we know of countless Christ followers who have trusted God while others said they were being foolish. But God used them to accomplish what was needed to be done for the glory of God and for building up the body of Christ and for sharing the good news of Jesus around the world. Some of these people's faith are recorded in the annals of history and some of them are only known to God. 
the spiritual gift of faith, to trust God in the face of unseen circumstances. So as with all spiritual gifts, the, the gift of faith is given to some Christians who then use it to edify others in the body of Christ, to build them up, to encourage them. Those with the gift of faith are an inspiration to their fellow believers. They're, they exhibit a simple confidence in God that shows in all that they do. Extraordinarily faithful people show a humble godliness and re reliance on God's promises, often so much that they are known to be quietly fearless and zealous. They are so convinced that all obstacles to the gospel and to God's purposes will be overcome and so confident that God will secure the advancement of his kingdom and they will often do far more in the promotion of the kingdom through their faith than the most talented preacher or teacher will ever do. That's the spiritual gift of faith. Now, the spiritual gift of discernment. Discernment is the ability to spiritually identify falsehood and distinguish between right and wrong motives and situations. Now, of course, we all have a certain amount of discernment and we're supposed to practice that. The Apostle Paul reveals this uh, to us very clearly about as, as we grow in faith, we are able to discern more. In the book of Hebrews, this is what he writes. Um, he says, everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he or she is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Here's the idea. You know, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're supposed to seek to grow in what we understand about being a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, if... If you took what you learned as a child about Jesus and you never grew, then you wouldn't be maturing and your discernment wouldn't be maturing. But now that we come, when we come to faith in Christ, uh, he calls us to draw closer to him, to learn more about what he has taught us in his word. So we need to study it. We need to learn it. We need to see how it uh, interacts in our lives. We need to put it to the test in our lives and, and trust it. And, and that's how discernment grows as we mature. The Apostle John uh, describes uh, the gift, uh, th this idea of discernment this way. He says this, he says, dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. Now this is just general discernment. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. So very simply, we can discern if somebody is speaking the truth about God if they believe all that Scripture says about who Jesus is. If they don't, then we discern, we know that they're not from God. But so how about an example of this gift of discernment being used? If you go to uh, Acts chapter 5, in the fifth chapter of the book of Acts, there, there's a story uh, about the early days of the church when a couple named Ananias and Sapphira sold some property and, and 
if you go back and you study the early church, you, you'll discover that there was an incredible amount of generosity. People sold property and houses and things and, and gave it to the church so that they could care for the needy and those less fortunate. So they can basically make sure that everybody was taken care of. And that's what they did. And so this couple sold some property and they brought some of the proceeds to the disciples. But they made it sound like they brought all of the proceeds. Now, it wasn't inappropriate for them to keep some, uh, but they lied. And uh, the Apostle Peter, who had the gift of discernment, discerned through the Holy Spirit that they had lied to him and to the disciples. And so he confronted them. And uh, um, they were held accountable for their lie to the Holy Spirit. So there we see uh, the, the gift of discernment uh, working in real life. So, you know, this is important for me to say. You know, we've looked at four uh, gifts of the Spirit uh, this week. We, we've looked at several the last couple of weeks. But, but for me, what we all need to understand is that all of the spiritual gifts in Scripture are given to us for a reason, that there's, there's a purpose for them. Uh, and that purpose is important for us all to understand. We need to recognize that, that God has given them to us. And, and there's a verse in Scripture, we're not going to put it on the screen, but there's a verse from, from the book of James uh, where God inspires James to write this. And, and just listen to this. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. So from the beginning of the Bible until the end, we're told that what we've been given is a gift from God. It's a gift, um, and it's uh, something that we're supposed to receive and something that we're supposed to use. Not for our, ourself, but to glorify God, to build up the body of Christ, and to reach the world with the saving knowledge of Jesus. We're given all of the things that we have in life by God. We're supposed to use it for the greater good because there's going to come a day where each one of us will pass on from this life to the next. When, when we die, what God's entrusted to our care, what God has given us to manage while we're on earth, can't go with us. All right? So we need to recognize that, that everything we've been given in life is on loan from God. God shared this vision with Abraham, and you can read about it in the book of Genesis. And when he shared this vision with Abraham, when he told him he was going to be a father of nation, he made a covenant with him, a promise. If you ever make a covenant, you're making a promise that you're going to keep your word. You're going to fulfill what you promised. And God made a covenant to Abraham and to Sarah, and he fulfilled that covenant. He kept his word. And this is the covenant that he made. He said, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God said to Abraham, to Abraham and Sarah, you know, uh, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing to others. 
I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. I, I'm, I'm making this covenant. I'm making this promises, promise, actually not just with you, Abraham, but with the whole world to bless the whole world through you. And as the spiritual descendants of Abraham and Sarah, we understand that we've been blessed. And we understand this, that, that the blessing doesn't come for us to keep and to put in our pockets or, or however you want to think about it. The blessing comes to us to be a blessing to others. So I want you to think about the blessings that you have from God. Your life, your, your time on earth, your health, your human talents, your human skills, your spiritual gifts, all of the material resources that you've been given, all of the relational contacts that you have, family members, children, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends, neighbors, co-workers, peers, all of those are gifts from God. And, and we've been blessed with them to be a blessing. The, the Apostle Paul understood this. And he gave the early church a command about how we're supposed to honor God. Now, in its specific context, it's about how we're supposed to honor God with our bodies by maintaining sexual purity. But, but there's also an application that we can understand about how we live our lives. And here's the verse. He says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. It's this reminder. It's this, you know, very critical, intimate reminder to all of us that our lives on earth, that we've been bought with a price. It's the blood of Jesus. We've been given new life on earth and eternal life. And so we need to, we need to use what we've been given for the glory of God. Dr. David Sikinera shares a story about how a young girl in his church that uh, he served in his medical practice taught him about using all of his life to serve God. He writes this story. One Sunday morning, my wife had prepared a lesson on being useful and she taught the children in the class that everyone can be useful. And that usefulness is using our gifts to serve God. And that doing so is worthy of honor. And the kids soaked up his wife's words. And as the lesson ended, there was a, a moment of silence. And a little girl named Sarah came over and said, Teacher, what can I do? I don't know how to do anything useful. Well, not anticipating that kind of response, he says, my wife quickly looked around and spotted an empty flower vase on the windowsill. And she said, Sarah, you can bring in a flower and put it in this vase. And that would be a useful thing. And the little girl frowned. But that's not important. Yes, it is, his wife replied. It's your way of serving God and helping others. That little girl took it to heart and sure enough, the next Sunday, Sarah brought in a dandelion and placed it in the vase. In fact, she continued to do it each week without a reminder or help. She made sure that vase was filled with a bright yellow dandelion. Sunday after Sunday, 
when the pastor of the church found out about it and he found out about Sarah's faithfulness, he asked if he could take the vase and the flower and put it in the sanctuary right next to the pulpit. And so uh, week after week, that little vase was transferred to the, the pulpit. Uh, and one day he gave a sermon in, in honor of serving and using all that we've been given in life for the glory of God. And he used Sarah's faith and her flower as an example. And you can imagine the congregation was, was touched by that. But he writes, not long after that, I received a call from Sarah's mother, and she was worried about Sarah. She didn't seem uh, well. She had less energy than usual. She had lost her appetite. And uh, after offering reassurances, he made room in his schedule to have Sarah come in and be seen by her. By her. And he realized that she was quite sick, and so they began to run tests. And after uh, tests and, and days of examinations, it was discovered that uh, Sarah had leukemia. And uh, he writes, on my way home, I, I stopped to see Sarah's parents so I could personally give them the news. And he said, you know, the combination of Sarah's genetics and this cancer uh, was attacking her body, and it was a devastating mix. And sitting at their kitchen table, he said, I did my best to explain to Sarah's parents that there was not much more that they could do. Um, he said, to them, I don't, I don't think, uh, he said, I don't think I've ever had a more difficult conversation than the one that I had that night. He said, as time pressed on, Sarah was confined to a bed and to the visits from people who came to see her. She lost her smile, she lost most of her weight, and uh, then came another phone call from her mom. Sarah's mother uh, asked me to come and see her, and I dropped everything and I ran to the house. And there she was, a, a small bundle who barely moved. And after a, a short examination, I knew that Sarah would soon be with the Lord. And I urged her parents to spend as much time with her as possible. He writes, you know, that was a Friday afternoon. On Sunday morning, church started as usual. The singing, the sermon, he said, you know, to me, it all seemed meaningless because I couldn't get Sarah out of my mind. And I felt enveloped in sadness. He said, at the end of the sermon, the pastor suddenly stopped speaking and his eyes grew wide and he stared at the back of the church and with utter amazement, everyone turned to see what he was looking at and it was Sarah. Her parents had brought her for one last visit. She was bundled in a blanket and had a dandelion in one little hand. She didn't sit in the back row. Instead, she slowly walked to the front of the church where her vase was still perched on the pulpit and she put her flower in the vase and a piece of paper beside it. And then she returned to her parents. Seeing little Sarah place her flower in the vase for that last time moved everyone. And at the end of the service, people gathered around Sarah and her parents trying to offer as much love and support as possible. He writes, four, day four days later, Sarah passed away. He said, I wasn't expecting it, but our pastor asked to see me after the funeral. We stood at the cemetery near our cars as people walked past us. In a low voice, he said, Dave, I got something you need to see. And he reached in his pocket and he pulled out the piece of paper that Sarah had left by the vase. Holding it out to me, he said, you better keep this. It may help in your line of work. 
I opened the folded paper to read in pink crayon what Sarah had written. Dear God, this vase has been the biggest honor of my life. Sarah. Sarah's note in her vase helped me to understand how I now realize I need to serve others. He saw that Sarah understood her purpose and it helped him understand his purpose. And the important thing for every follower of Jesus Christ is understand that, that not only have we been saved for eternity, not only have we been given the Holy Spirit to give us power for living in this world, but we've been given the Holy Spirit to fulfill our purpose, to fulfill the destiny that, that God created each one of us to fulfill for his kingdom, to build up the body, to reach the world for Christ. So my urgent plea to you is to do whatever it takes to discover your gift, uh, the calling, the, the, the gifting that God's given you, and then use it for the glory of God. Fulfill your purpose. Know that when you do that, there will be no greater satisfaction than doing that. And it's not a once and done thing. It's, it's the purpose of your life on this earth. I want to encourage you to do that. And I want to pray for each and every one of us that we will embrace that and that we will pursue it with all that we do and with all that we are. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, as we recognize that we have been created by you in our mother's womb, and that we were brought into this world and you sent Jesus to save us so that we could spend eternity with you, but you and Jesus gave us the Spirit as a guarantee of a, the promise of eternal life, but also to give us power for living and to fill us with the understanding that we've been given gifts to use for your glory. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would move in us to pursue an understanding of what you've called us to do and that we would lean into the Spirit and begin to use and pursue that gift for the glory of God, for the building up of the body of Christ and for reaching the world for Jesus. And Lord, I pray that that will not only happen here, but that will happen in the body of Christ worldwide so we could fulfill the calling that you have on each and every one of us that we know will all fit together like pieces of a puzzle to fulfill your dream for this world and for eternity. So move in each one of us, Holy Spirit. Motivate us, guide us, direct us. Let us not shrink away from discovering and using what you've gifted us to do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.